it did dawn on me from from an experience, like from a user perspective, like the impact that we were having. Long story short, there was a happy ending, but it was the moment where I no longer looked at our platform from the, it's on my screen and I'm just designing things and I feel really good about it too. Jesus Christ, that that's that's a that's a big deal. What what I I didn't realize that what we built had that kind of human impact. That moment, and, and I won't go into the into the de- I remember the case. Same. I won't go into the details, but that that was a point at which I I I, I had to leave the, leave the building and take a walk because it 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 hit me it hit me really hard that I I don't think I was prepared for that. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is the Shaping Design Podcast, where we help you get better at design. I'm your co-host, Mitchell Bernstein, and today we have interviewed one of our, I think, best guests and maybe the best ever, Blake Everingham. Blake is an icon in the design industry. He has helped me get my career started when I was an intern at SitePlan, which you'll hear more about later. Blake has just helped the company sell to SmartRent, which is really amazing. So they kind of exited and that's a huge milestone. And so I thought we have time to chat with Blake on the pod about some of this stuff going on, uh, some of the stuff that helped him get to where he is today. We talked a lot about career advice, leading as a designer, how design can bring value to companies, you know, how do you go from print to digital, some of his past and uh, so much more. Can't wait for you to listen to this. But before you actually do listen to it, we have to say something. This content isn't free. I heard this on another podcast, MFM, and I thought it'd be great to transition it to our podcast where, you know, the stuff that we give to you isn't free. It comes at a cost and the cost is you liking and subscribing on YouTube and on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. Please sign up, subscribe, like it, give us five stars. We really appreciate it. It helps us get the word out there and help other designers like you and, and maybe your friends to get better at their craft and, and maybe not miss out on opportunities that they might have not seen before. So please do that for us. It's a gentleman's agreement and we're going to hold you to it. So again, all you have to do is like and subscribe or share the pod. Now, let's get into it. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. I, r- I really appreciate you you taking the time for us. So just kind of doing some housekeeping, why don't you describe a little bit about how we met and then kind of go into your background and then we can kind of go from there and ask you a bunch of the questions that we have. We have a couple questions lined up, so hopefully we can get through all of them. If not, we'll have to do another episode. Kind of go into your background, how you got from where you were in, in print to digital and to, to now you know, being part of a company selling, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Congratulations. And then, yeah, let's start there. So I, I, so I met Mitchell. He was our first design intern at SitePlan. SitePlan is the company that I cut my teeth on as a product designer. And we, and we can get into that. I had a great time with him. I hope you had a time of some sort. <laughs> It was pretty um, awesome. It was with, great. With, yeah. with Roman, our, our beautiful Russian, who is American through and through, and we love him. So, but yeah, and that, that, was, that was great. So, but my, my background, so I've been, I've been in the design, I'll, I'll call it the, the I, I worked as a designer, which is probably the easiest way to say it for about 20, 20 years now. So, and, and you can cut my career in half or my, I guess my, you know, kind of how I, how I work as a designer. 
so the so coming up, you know, in college, I always I, I was always working in digital spaces back then. It was just websites, right? And like there's a screen and there and you can create things, which got me into HTML and CSS, which is about as far as my brain would let me go. I I am by trade, I'm not a great thinker of code, right? I wish I like guys like you, who, who you were talking about Framer and and how you kind of you think in the code or you work in the code. I I, I wish I had that that I, I wish I could overcome that hurdle. But I I, I learned enough early on to establish my, myself as a, as a designer who felt comfortable in code. But then as I moved, I, I got really into to kind of that that Bauhaus, you know, nineteenth twentieth century grid page layout, like really getting deep into just design as a elemental space, how you're moving elements around. So I, I always kind of had the, we'll call it the, the, the digital kind of landscape in the background that I could work on. And that, that got me my, my first job was my, my skill set to be able to produce websites and even God forbid flash a little bit of that flash action script, which Thank God that's that's over with. And so, so I moved from I'm I'm originally from Miami, and I moved to Orlando to get my my first gig. I worked at fifty thousand feet, which they're they're based out of Chicago, massively talented, amazing group. The 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 founders, the principals are still there. Look them up. They do fantastic work. And just just like any design job, I came in with no confidence. And by the way, like if you're a young designer and you come in with a lot of confidence, you got to like calm down. Because that's just arrogance. You got to gain confidence by working, right? An opinion matters. You should have an opinion. Mitchell, I love because you were young, but you had, dude, you're laughing. I'm not, I'm not joking. You had strong opinions, mm-hmm. but it didn't mean yeah. you were arrogant. You weren't he still arrogant. Does. He still does. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying it didn't go. It's away. worse now. It's worse. No, but you, so, so, so I, I was able to, to learn craft just as a, as a, graphic design, I'll say graphic designer, you know, I, and, and I worked on annual reports. So we actually, and I remember my, my men, my first mentor on his wall, he had like, I'm charades now. He had like a row of annual reports from the seventies, eighties of, of IBM, of all these companies. And I would just, dude, I would take some home, like, like from like, as though it's a library and I would be looking at these and I take photos and just just to like really understand grid systems. And this is something we could talk about later, but that's actually one of the things that has allowed me to enter the product space as a product designer. Because what I've noticed in, in really in, in my own career is that a lot of visual designers, you know, they say visual designers, UX designers have no, no background in learning, you know, the, the, the true design process of building a grid system of, of elements it's all about, you know, kind of, it's, it's everything but that. So I'm very thankful that I had that, that, and God, it was tough. I mean, I spent years busting my butt. Can, can I curse? Busting my ass? Of course. Absolutely. Busting my fucking ass, doing really <laughs> bad layouts. But, you know, I got to the point where I, I, I did entire hand reports. I, you know, everything under the sun. I did that for about, and, and I'm jumping way ahead. I did, so, you know, 10 years, I did that for eight, nine, 10 years, had an amazing experience. And then you have that point in your career where you just, it, I always say it's like you're in the trenches. It's like, 
it's like, I hate to say that because like, we're not warriors, let's calm down. But like, we're digging in and doing work, hard work, right? Like this, this is, this design is not easy. And I come up for air one day and I realize I don't enjoy this anymore. I, I don't, I, I love design. And by the way, branding as well. Branding was a huge part of my, my background, like working on logos and, and brand guidelines and like, just really amazing. Like I've really had an awesome time. But then you, you poke your head up and you look around. It's like, Jesus Christ, 10, 10 years has gone by. And I don't think I really love this anymore. But I really love design. I know that I'm a designer. Thank God. Like if I, if I poke my head up and I'm like, I don't like being a designer, I'd be really fucked. But I, I realized that what I really loved doing was every now and then, and this was like 2009, 2010, so 11. In that, put it this way, Apps on an iPhone suddenly became an area that you can invest a career in. That didn't exist before. So I realized when we would get little projects coming in, and they truly were little projects, like we just want an app, right? If, you know, apps were just like these, these little things. I loved diving in and, and designing. And I had no idea I was doing user experience design. I just thought I was just designing an app, right? Like it was just fun. And I, I'm all about like, it's hard work, but if you're not having fun, like you're literally putting pictures together, guys. Let's let, let's be real. If you're not having fun doing that that stuff, you shouldn't be a designer. And so, I quit my job respectfully, and I started my own business. And looking back, I think that was my reactionary. What what the fuck do I do? What do I? Oh my god! I just I just left the gig that I loved. I just didn't like work as much. What do I do? And, and hit the ground for a couple of years in my own business. And we pursued more digital branding and digital. So it was kind of like I was in branding and, you know, you know, beautiful graphic design to this kind of quasi space where I knew I was good at branding. I wouldn't say great, but I know it was really good. So I, I could piggyback off that and make some money, but I really wanted to pull in those, those digital, I'll say apps and web and that space. And then through that engagement, the company failed. We, we, we couldn't get it off the ground. It happens, boo-hoo, we get over it. But there was one client, one customer that I got through a developer. And this, this, this goes back to it's all about who you know. Mm-hmm. A, a developer, remember M- Mitchell, Scott Otten? Yep. He was the man. I did work for him mm-hmm. 18 years ago. He recommended me to Joseph Westlake, who founded SitePlant. And long story short, Joseph really, Joseph is the product, the the type of product leader, or I would say startup leader, where he knows for a fact that great design will carry the company to a certain extent that sound business, sound marketing cannot, cannot take. And so I was fortunate that I hit the ground running. I started doing work on as a kind of a side gig, right? Like I had my company, it was called Statement. Had, a, had that company, but it's kind of like, I got to pay my bills. So I'm going to keep pursuing this. And this, this shrank, right? This, this faded away. And that's unfortunate, but it happens. But then this grew and grew and grew. And then one day, probably after about six months of engagement with the site plan, and we're literally guys, I was learning as I went. I was like, okay, he needs a feature. What is a feature? I, I don't know what's happening right now. I just, oh. And I was work. I worked on their marketing site, their their first app, 
the web platform, it was, it was a blur. It was all, all on a contractor basis. And Joseph, long story short, said, listen, I, I need you full time. I know you, I, I know you have your, your business. And it was like, my business failed, but I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, and, and he just offered me a full-time position and, and thank God. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very blessed. And I, I still don't believe I deserved it, but he, he offered me a, 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 a round of options and equity that I could not turn down. And, but it was, it was one of those things where it's like the stars aligned. One, I was working with a super hardcore leader that wants excellence. And that's another lesson I learned is that that's actually very rare. I have, I have been kind of in the path of different leaders that have great, great sets, but a lot of them don't have the, the skill set of, of admiring great design or even wanting great design, if that makes sense, right? Like some, some startups are just a business plan that they don't, and that's fine. That's, mm-hmm. that's fine. But for me personally, that rare stars aligned where I had a great, somebody who cared deeply about design like I did and you know, financially, it was, it, it was, it was very beneficial. And I learned on the job. I mean, I cut my teeth over and over. I failed forward. I basically learned how to become a, and I still don't really know what a product designer means, but I learned how to be a full fledged visual UX content writer. I mean, it was, I was a jack of all trades. It was really tough, but that journey led me to a place where I know exactly, I still love what I do. And, it, you know, now I'm one of those arrogant designers where it's like, you want, you want to hire somebody to write the content? We should be able to write the content, which by the way, <laughs> I'm horrible at writing. So like you know, UX writers are, yes, but I, I want to do the user journeys. I want to do the visual representation. I want to create, I mean, Mitchell, remember you and I worked on the, on the, our design system. Mm-hmm. So yep. I landed through site plan. I kind of landed today, you know, and, and, and site plan sold and, you know, a year ago. And obviously that was, that was amazing ride. And now I'm working for smart rent who bought us and I have new challenges or they're, you know, I'm, I moved more into a leadership position in design and, but all that experience, I could, I wouldn't trade for anything, right? Like just cutting your teeth for years and years on this, and then you ship and then you, you suddenly don't know what you're doing again. And you cut your teeth and you work hard. And Mitchell, I mean, I know you, you have, we were joking around about how many ideas you have. Well, just doing a podcast, I look at your setup there and I'm like, I don't know what that, I, I have no idea, no idea, but I bet it was fun to learn because you have it, a passion it for was. it. It was, de- yeah. it definitely was, it's, it's hard to just kind of go back in my mind and think about every step I took to get to this point in just the studio sense, because now, you know, I was in an apartment when I was thinking about it and then I ended up moving into a house with my girlfriend so thankfully, she let me take over one of the rooms. <laughs> and so, so you have a very good partner, my my friend. That's you have no that's idea. That's great. She she respects She's that. That's awesome. Absolutely the best. Yeah. But yeah. But so, anyway, that yeah. that's that's my 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 journey. I'm a little long winded, but I'm passionate about these things. And now I'm yeah. And so now I'm here with you guys. So we'll it, we'll see where I go from here. It's really cool to hear because I find like you have a really similar path that I had. Like you, I could have literally told my story, and like it would have been very similar to what you just did. I started in the exact same path you did, right? Print design and, and brand. And there's such a craft to, like you said, annual reports. Like th- when you look at one, I'm still today, I'm like, oh, I'm drawn about the grid, the typography, the layouts. There's some, right. something that unfortunately the new designers coming up are not going to get to have fun with because they have auto layouts in Figma. They have every, like, 
not all like some are going to go to print, but a lot of them just transition automatically to like product design and, and apps and whatnot. I find there's like the the purists in us, I could mm-hmm. I could say, love that aspect of it. And we we automatically transitioned into like product and whatnot, but it's still something I just I just love print still to this day. Well, God I bless actually, you. I, w- I wish I could get a beer with you, man. That's yeah. And and yeah. And, and I, I think new new younger designers, there there are there are two types that, that, that I've witnessed of younger designers that that don't have that that background, right? That you and I are talking about, that print background for one of two reasons. And it's unfortunate. One is they don't care. Yeah. They just don't care, right? Because all that matters is this little screen right here. All I care about, and, and that's a skill, that's fine. I don't agree. I feel like you need to widen your landscape as a designer, right? But the other is that great design firms that can do great man, print. And you know, you know, it's like, I designed an 80 page book. Like there are very few of those left. So the craft and the mentorship is not there anymore. Well, it's not as much, put it that way. And that's unfortunate. So I want to actually talk, you know, we literally could end the podcast here and then just slow-mo or expand the amount of time that you like took to like say your like background because you had so many nuggets of like gold in that. And I want to okay. pick out one that stuck out, stood out to me, which was craft, craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And can you talk a little bit to the the value of craftsmanship in design and how you see maybe some people are kind of losing that sense of craftsmanship because you kind of mentioned that like, you know, people don't have like that print background growing up. So they don't learn the principles and like why this is a thing, which is where all this came from originally print. And then now it's being transitioned to digital. Can you talk to a little bit about that? So when, when I say craftsman, craftsmanship, I, 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 I like to, I like to use use the word crafts craftsmanship versus design. I mean, I'm a designer, but I feel as though if I was not getting paid for this, I would be doing it anyway. So, so there there there's there's a little bit of the, and I'm going to use a bad analogy, and I don't consider myself one of this type, but like somebody that does woodworking all day long, right? Like they're going to be in their shop making beautiful tables and chairs, in which I I wish I could do that, regardless of if somebody is going to buy it or not. Craftsmanship to me means you have a love for something that requires thousands of hours to get it right. But the ability to love every hour, at, well, almost every hour as, <laughs> as you go, that's what I consider craftsmanship. Now, there are, it, and this is like true to life, right? Like in design, it's like, it's like any, it's, it, it's like any, it's like any role. You got, you got a lot of folks that do it and they say they love it but they punch out and they, and they no longer care or think about it. And then there are the unfortunate cursed fellows and, and gentlemen and ladies like myself, like you guys, where what, I don't shut my, my brain down. I keep thinking about it because I, I'll come up with an idea in the shower or I'm out, yeah. outside playing with, 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 with my kids. And, but it's not, it, you know, it's kind of like you can't shut it down, but because, because the valve is always open, it, it's it, it's almost like an addiction, right? Like I, I'm always fiddling and thinking and, and, and working. Like Mitchell and I were just talking about a strength training app that I I presented to him because I appreciated his feedback because he cared. And this was eight, nine years ago. And we were just talking about, I still have <laughs> that idea in the back of my mind. Maybe, maybe I'm just stubborn. Same uh, thing. But, 
But to get to your question around craftsmanship and expanding on it, I think the, and I don't know if I'm actually answering this, but the very best designers that I have seen in my peripheral, I, I don't speak for myself, are the ones that, that, are, that leave a meeting and keep caring about what we just talked about and keep working towards a solution versus the, the designers that are in the room care for about five minutes that exit and say, ah, yeah, I, I don't care about that anymore, right? It's, it's, it's a love of the craft. And, I, and I'm sure Pascal, you know, I, to, to get into print design and sit down and say, I'm going to really love designing an 80-page annual report. That's a really weird statement. So you have to love what you do in order to, to be a successful designer, to be a craftsman at it, is you're going to chip away at this, you know, or, or a sculptor. You're going to chip away and, you know, it's like, it's tough and it's hard, but for whatever reason, I show up the next day and I want to do it again. That's what, to me, separates the really great designers from the designers that have, because I don't consider myself, I, I don't think I've ever had an innate talent. I just really love it and I work really hard at it. And maybe I get a little stubborn, like, I'm going to be as good as this guy. Like, F this guy. I'm going to be as good as him because, you know, I guess I have an ego. But, but the fact that you keep showing up is what, to me, defines somebody, a, a craftsman, in the sense that, that you love what you do to the point where you show up every day. If you stop showing up and you don't care, then, then you're showing up for a paycheck. And you're, to me, you're not a designer. You're just somebody that's doing it. So yeah. I'm actually going to, for the sake of telling devil's advocate, I'm going to push back a little bit on that just to, just to see your thinking Go on it. Go for it. Yeah. So you kind of ended that by saying that designers have to love it so much. Otherwise, they're just kind of collecting a paycheck. Could you not see the, I, I guess, would, would, it, would it be considered more art than design if it's for love or like for the craft and the appreciation oh. of it? Or Don't is it... ask the what is art and what's design <laughs> question. Dodson. Well, because like oh. design, design has a lot more to do with like solving a problem. There's a utilitarian aspect to it than art doesn't necessarily have to have. But design needs to have it. It has to have a utilitarian aspect to it. So therefore, if it doesn't have a use for it and people aren't kind of paying for that, that value, then that thing might not exist. So doesn't it have to also include a heavy portion of of like monetary value it does and i i think so no i mean i appreciate that pushback because i i i I agree with that maybe a better way to say it is designers just really love solving problems that's true and 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 i love so so okay to get into the whole art versus design thing for a split second just for a second my version of that is i'm creating something for myself that's art if i'm designing something like I, i brought up like you know you know woodworking if if you're making a chair and somebody sits in it then i guess to a degree you can kind of shift that to more it's functional it's for somebody else so when it comes to like ux design even though i don't consider it art i have a love of the of the process of solving a problem that's your i i, I think that's a better way to phrase it an annual report is the problem of how the hell do i condense an entire year of corporate of corporate, you know, what have you into a beautiful, engaging piece that somebody wants to open up and say, oh, look at this gigantic table of, of financials. This is, you know, like there's an art to that. 
But you want to basically something... turn like that report into a coffee table book. Like that, that was always been my goal when I was kind of like, in a way yeah. that it's so beautiful that you look at it and you want it to be left on the coffee table. You're making art for the sake of your say, yourself in order for somebody else to say, this is so beautiful that yeah. I don't even, I also want to open it up because it's, this feels special. And you know so, the smell of the, that, like the paper you kind of use and you flipped and you had that smell of like the type of paper, like I miss, like those are things that I do miss new that. designers won't get. I miss that. Yes. So sure. I think, I think to wrap up that question then, and I really like what you said, you, you're kind of like in a summary of it, you're kind of serving yourself versus serving others. And I think that serving others is, is more business oriented and, and like say like it's functional for somebody else. But then when you're doing it for yourself and like you, you have this kind of need to kind of get it out there and kind of like, even if it's a solution for yourself, but you're still, still trying to do it for yourself. You're trying to get that process, you know, enjoy that process, not just enjoy the product of the process. So, there is a selfishness to, to what we do, which, yeah. which, which I don't think is a negative. I, I think mm -hmm. us as designers, we're selfish because we, we want to create something. We are, mm -hmm. we're all creating something, whether it's functional for somebody else or not, we, we, we we have gravitated towards we're making something for others versus I think, man, well, we're getting into the whole art versus design, which I will get wrong. So <laughs> I don't I, think I, I don't think it's, there's a right answer. I think it's a there is. Yeah. And, and what's interesting, though, is that I don't consider myself an artist. I consider my, myself a designer. So what the <laughs> hell does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It's, it means I you're living a, a lie. And like, like I said earlier, you have a very similar career than I have. And I remember Mitch and I talking about on one previous episode where we talked about a lot of people want or think there's one trajectory in a design. And I love that, you know, you have this amount of experience that you've gone from like traditional agency model to startup to et cetera. What's your point of view on like the different, different paths? Should a designer go and do the startup route because you get to wear so many hats? Like what's your def like approach to mentoring up designers that are listening to us on a good path forward in design. Yeah, it's it. The path is hard. First of all, the path is your own. Mitchell's path was different than my path. Yours is similar to mine, but probably have nuances that I would never, I, I would never move into. So everyone's is different. The only, the 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 only feedback I've ever given when that question is asked is, well, "What do you want to do?" So going back to that self selfishness, be be selfish for a second. It's like I, I I know that you want to create things for others. We all do. What do you want? What, what do you what do you like doing? Like like if you didn't have a job, if you didn't need a job, right? Let's we're in a utopia where nobody needs jobs and we all kind of do whatever we want. Some folks are going to go watch The Last of Us, which by the way, amazing show, forever, right? They, they you know it's fine. What would you sit down and be doing? Would you design a poster for some rock band, which I did. I did quite a few of those because I wanted to. That was my college gig. I just, I looked up a, a, a stage company and a, a venue and I was like, I want to do posters. We can't pay it. Okay, I'll do it for free. I don't care. Find, find out what you love to do and, and push hard into that space. Like, don't be, don't be weak about your approach to what you want to do. Like, I really wanted to get into the annual report, beautiful books, you know, that, that kind of, that mentality of creating beautiful pieces of, of writing. And I pushed hard to get to 50,000 feet. I pushed to, to work under mentors to learn. Mm -hmm. And, and so take that and then find, 
find your mentors that, that you can learn from and then, and then get hired and then they'll pay you and then you learn. It's, it's, almost, it's almost unfair. Like you're getting a paycheck and you get to learn the things you want to do. You just have to figure out what you want to do. That, that's unfortunately the easy, the easy button answer. It's, it's actually refreshing to hear some, somebody else who also shares the same like level of passion to what they want to do, but also can, can prove the value of actually doing it. They can prove it to, to everyone else because you can design. And I kind of want to pivot a little bit towards site plan a little, <laughs> you know, a little bit. So can you describe a little bit what site plan does or did? Cause now that it's been purchased and yeah. kind of the, the impact design had on the success of site plan? Oh, that's a really good question. Okay. So the easy, the easy part of the answer is deep breath. Site plan is the maintenance operation solution for multifamily housing. Okay. Exhale. So what that really <laughs> means is it's a task management system for maintenance techs around a property, right? Like I got to replace 20, 20 light bulbs. When, when do you need to do it? Where do you need to do it? So that, that is what our soft software allowed and being able to do inspections to figure out what's wrong. It's, 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 it's a, it's a robust task management system for buildings. I mean, the, the vertical was apartment complexes, but maintenance is maintenance. A building is a building. So, you know, you, you could take that model and just say that for, you know, maintenance for any kind of building, any kind of buildings, we were, we are a task management system for that. So Hopefully I, I kind of described it, you know, well, yeah. so, and I'm sorry, your, your, your question was what, what value did design bring to site plan in, in the, in the early days? Yeah. Like, like, so, so site plan sold recently and I can't imagine it being not because of partially because of the design aspect of site plan, because you guys really solve problems for users and like really analyze and listen to, to, to feedback. And I remember being on calls with you, yeah. Joseph, and others about like like hearing what pain points users were saying, and sometimes you know they get feedback on the designs that you, you and I have collaborated on and pushed out into the world. Like, oh my god, I love this new screen! Like we did the create task flow thing, and they they were you know yeah. complimenting that. So like, t- talk to, talk to us about like how did design impact the value itself of site plan to to users to to the valuation itself, and then like why it became such a success. Okay. So it had, I, I think it, okay. I can't provide you financial metrics and business metrics right. around how does design convert into X dollars? I can't, I am a designer. I am not a, a I, I don't run business models, so I can't approach it from that perspective, but being in the trenches working day to day and watching leadership sell and we we get more, more bigger customers. I think from the perspective of where I think design fit in was when I first started there, the, the emphasis was always on, we have to be the very, we have to be the best design product in our space, because if we can do that, we have won. We have won. That's a mantra. I don't know if it works everywhere. When we started, the one thing I heard from our, our would-be customers was, yeah, I signed up with you guys because it was beautiful. It was elegant. It was clean. I understood it. And I didn't have to worry about training all of my employees how to use the product. Mm -hmm. There are other products in our space that I've used that I, I, I'm so sorry that maintenance techs had to use those solutions. It's, it's horrible. If you can put 
if you could put thoughtfulness in front of a, of a, of a potential customer prospect and say, do you understand what's happening? And do you, do you understand how to create a task for a light bulb or an air filter or an HVAC unit, you know, piping, whatever it is. And they say, yeah, I, I get it. Exactly. You get it. So the ability to purely on the platform itself, and you can strip away marketing and, and, you know, sales pitches and, and, you know, all, all, all the stuff that I'm not good at. And you, and, and if you drill down, I mean, every startup company is just, if you drill down past marketing, past that, blah, 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 what are you selling product? And if you can just say, here's the product, take it for a spin. What do you like? That's probably the most powerful sales pitch I've ever witnessed. And in the early days when we didn't have a problem, I mean, we were selling vaporware. Every company does it. We were building something, but we were also pitching it because it's like, we know that we'll have it by the time you sign. That leveraged us to be able to, to be able to say, yes, this is part of our product by the time you sign. And do you understand how it works? Yeah, I really do. And then go and use your, our competitor, XYZ, you're using them today. Go take that same scenario and try to do it yourself. And it's like, well, I already know. It would take 20 steps and it would be da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, a hamster has to spin in a wheel, right? Like a lot of stuff. And there's just a lot of power in having confidence to say, Dude, look, look, we've really tried hard and this is very well designed. That, that 80, 80 to 90% of the time, a company that, that cares about that stuff and, you know, and paying the bills, They'll say, nah, I, you guys don't have to try too hard. That I see the platform. It works this way and I get it. There's a lot of power in that. I, I remember at that time, I was so, I don't know, enamored is the right word, but I was, I was so excited about the resident side, like the resident portal side of it where you can kind of pay rent and stuff. Yeah. I was like trying to pitch that to like every complex I lived at since I worked the site plan. I was like, yours your app sucks and i don't even need to know how to use it to know that it sucks let me tell you about one that actually is good oh. and, <laughs> and then like they're just like yeah i'm 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 in leasing i don't have any influence i don't know what you're talking about and like even our house now we have like an app which i will publicly say i hate and i hate the company that kind of runs it just because they're completely unhelpful the app's glitchy whatever but some of the features that are like you click on something, it's like view this button or view this like PDF or something. You click it, nothing happens. So like, I really appreciate the effort y'all put into making the details work really well in the apps and and the experiences. And not just that. I'll, I'll hand it off after this question to Pascal. To ask another question, but yep. you and I also worked on not just the app experience, but the I forgot the name of it, like the voice system in which you can call. Oh, yeah. They, well, yeah, it's called Answer, but that was, yeah. yeah. So so we had a traditional answering service. This 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 was before Alexa and Siri where it was more of an interactive, but it was it was that traditional, hello, da-da-da-da. You know, if, if you have a, a maintenance concern, tap or say one. It was a very rigid flow, but we spent countless dozens and hundreds of hours designing in a way that actually tried to feel less of a like a stringent flow, even though I'm sure it was to a degree, and more of a nice experience to create a task. Like I picked up the phone, I did this, I said this, I created a task, I hung up. That was, by, by the way, you know, going back to learning a new trade or, or now I'm dipping my list. 
listen, I, I started at Cycline because I just wanted to create digital experiences. And now I'm working on a buoy, like a voice user interface. What is happening right now? <laughs> but what was so cool about that, was, which is it got into designing for ecosystems across multiple audiences. So it's like site plan, which is the, the, the employees, the, the maintenance techs, the resident side, which included answer. A task is created on the resident side. That's an experience. The task is sent over. You get a notification. That's an experience. You want to talk about like, you know, diagrams and how things interact. And when you really start digging in with two different audiences and how those interactions work, and then you pull in voice, I, that was, that was some hard stuff to get right. But man, I really enjoyed that. Those are some, those are some, those are challenges. Those are some serious challenges. I think that that was probably the most fun part, in my opinion, working on SitePlan because, and not to just kind of like put SitePlan on a pedestal or whatever, but it was just like first like impact experience for me to have all of these things thrown at me. It's like, all right, figure it out. It's like, what? And, you know, that- act today. What? And it's cool because- it showed me that design was not just an icon. It wasn't just a button. Design was also information architecture of a voice answering service. Mm-hmm. And that was so powerful to me. It blew my mind as to what the capabilities of design was able to reach. And then that gave me more authority to kind of dip my toes in other things later on and kind of say, oh, yeah, I can, I can design you know, anything. Not that I can or can't, but that I have the ability to think about things from a different perspective now that I have just another kind of piece of the puzzle on, on my block. I'll yeah, I was just going to say it's, it's a great segue to since, you know, working in startups and you're like, you start off as one of the first designers and whatnot. And, you know, like in startups are trying to disrupt the markets. They, they want to go fast. They have these awesome ideas or crazy ideas that we call them from the, like the wizard heads of these people. How, like how and where did you find balance between design and meeting like the features that they were trying to produce at speed like how were you able to negotiate your way in to make sure that you know not that i want to use like that it popped but it's like didn't have design that like really stood out so that's that's a it's a tricky question because there's yeah have you guys ever seen that you know what is design process and it's a line it's like oh my god and then it kind of yeah so it is like that, right? And and actually, that the answer kind of goes back to what Mitchell was saying, which is, dude, at the time I was in the same boat. I had just I was only there for like a year or something like that. So I, I was also like, oh my god, like this is all coming at me. I don't know. Like I felt like a victim of my own ambition to design everything, which is I have no idea what I'm doing. When it so, whenever I I, I would be handed a feature, I I would. I'm thinking this is not my process that I followed. I'm just thinking back to how my, my brain just somehow survived. This is guys design, being a designer in a startup is really survival. You're just mm-hmm. trying to survive, forget creating beautiful shit. You're just trying to create something, have your, you know, your manager or your, you know, I, I worked directly with Joseph for seven years. You know, he's the president and founder and it's like, I just got to get this through. Right. So looking, thinking back what I not knowing at the time, but I think what it, what the way I approached the, how do I make something that will blow everyone's minds versus I just have to make something that will solve the user stories, right? Which, which was, I'm going to throw the hell Mary. If I have an idea, listen, guys, half the time you don't have a great idea. I don't, 
you know, sometimes it's a blank canvas, man. Like, like literally we're, we're, we're getting paid to come up with like ideas that change the world. And it's like, that shit's hard. It's really, <laughs> that's really hard to do. Okay. Really hard to do. And so half the time, what I would do is if I had an idea that really kind of went against what Joseph wanted, I would, I would time box myself and, you know, time management is huge in a start in a young startup. It's like, listen, forget two weeks. You have four hours to get this done so we can move on to the 20 other things like our marketing sites down. You got it. Like I was in charge of the marketing site. So what I would do is I would whip together some visioning. Remember Mitchell, we, we call it visioning where I, I would have high fidelity design systems I could throw together and present a keynote with some flows just to get this point across, which is like, I know you didn't ask for this, but just let's look at this. At the time, Joseph would say, God damn it. I just asked you to do this thing. It's like, okay, that was a no. That was a no. All right. So here's, here's the actual problem because normally a user story, like the, the solutions are somewhat straightforward to a degree. It's kind of like, I know what you're asking me to do. My Hail Mary, you know, took me a couple hours to put together, but I had this approach. And then half the time, Joseph, Joseph would say, this is freaking awesome. And then he would tear it to, and then he would tear it apart because he's so into the details that he would be on board. But then, you know, it's kind of like, well, now this is his idea. And now I'm, I'm going to get chewed out for this, that, whatever. But that was part of the design process. So, dude, so, honestly, sometimes you just got to throw those, those Hail Marys and see what sticks. Because the one thing I've learned in meetings with PMs, with engineers, nobody's showing up with an answer. You're somewhat trying to show up with, it, with the answer to present to them. But if you show up with an answer that blows people away, I would hope that sometimes you're able to do that, but you can't do it all the time. You have to pick and choose your battles too, right? Like yeah. time management is, is really key. Like I, I don't have a day to put together this amazing idea. Sometimes you have to, an idea has to die. I hate to say it, but you pick and choose your battles and hopefully you have that, uh, that spark. I don't know how to create the spark. Do you guys know how to create that spark? I don't know. It just comes. And this is, I think it's great advice, even for designers coming up and working in different fields, like how you've portrayed it, I think is a great point of view. So it's, yeah, kudos on just explaining it in your words, even if like the path is very messy, it's, it's very nice to hear. And like, just a follow, quick follow-up question, like being a start, being where you are now, did you realize at that point in time, all the pressure you had on your shoulders yeah. to solve the world? Right. That's what I mean is like, you don't realize it when you're in, but you're basically like a big key player of the success of this company. Like, and it comes with a lot of pressure with, you don't realize it. Do you remember the guy in, in the, in the matrix that said, ignorance is bliss while, he, while he's eating a fake steak. Ignorance is bliss when you're in a startup. If, if you understand the magnitude of what a company is asking you to do in a startup where you're one, when you're one designer building everything. That shit is, what's the word? It's overwhelming. It's very, looking back, it makes me feel overwhelmed about what I got accomplished. And I'm, I, I will never be the one to say like, I'm amazing. I did all this stuff. It's just the magnitude of work we did in such a short amount of time and the stakes that we had, not just from a company perspective, because, you know, Mitchell, I've told you this and you were there. We were a nimble startup. We mm -hmm. weren't the Everpix model. And I loved Everpix, but they spent a lot of money and they mm -hmm. shut down quick. God bless him. I, I miss him. No, we, we were the, I am not paying for, a, we had a leaky faucet in a sink. No big deal. But, you know, a couple of folks there were like, dude, we're a startup. Can, can we get this fixed? 
And the response was, yeah, we're a startup. So I want to save that money to hire another engineer to build this next thing, right? So you are in, hopefully in a, in an environment where one, money matters. And two, you got a lot of responsibility, dude. And then the last thing I'll say on that is, I'm, I'm going to give you guys like a real world example of when the moment, when the, I actually do know when it, it did dawn on me from, from an experience, like from a user perspective, like the impact that we were having. So Mitchell, you remember with, with the answering service, you could create an urgent task. And in our system, an urgent task will enter an escalation chain where it's going to call people that you can select. And and if if tech one doesn't answer, it goes to tech two because somebody's locked out. I heard that there was, I will call a violent exchange that may have caused in a death, but somebody called and created an urgent task, which long story short, there was a happy ending, but it was the moment where I no longer looked at our platform from the it's on my screen and I'm just designing things and I feel really good about it too. Jesus Christ, that that's, that's a, that's a big deal. What, what I, I didn't realize that what we built had that kind of human impact, which is kind of dumb because as product designers, I think everyone's like, we're changing the world. Half the time we just look at our screen and we think I'm just creating something I love. And that, that moment, and I won't go into the, into the deep. I remember the case, same. I won't go into the details, but that, that was a point at which I, I, I had to leave the, leave the building and take a walk because it, 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 it hit me, it hit me really hard that I, I don't think I was prepared for that. So I think, I think that design, when someone, when people say like, I want to change the world, I think you got to start with helping at least and change one person and be able to change that one life to then learn how to change the rest of the others. Right. You can't just go off and say, I'm going to take over the world, whatever you have to start small. And I think yep. that, and I remember that same day, I was actually going to ask you about that, but I'm glad you brought it up. You know, it, it was tough and we, it was all hands on deck. And so I'm really, I'm really kind of proud of, of that time that we Should kind of be. all came together and, and try to address a lot of those issues there. So, yeah. and it um, was fun time. It was exciting times too. Mm-hmm. Like the, it, when you're in the pressure cooker, you feel the excitement, but you don't feel the pressure. If, if that makes sense, you're just working. You're just, yeah. you're just trying to like, I remember being in the room with Mitchell and we're just, we're whiteboarding and trying to figure it out. And that is fun. Like as silly as it sounds, it's kind of like, oh yeah, I want to change lives, but you know what? I like having fun day to day and, and solving problems with people I like. So I think that that also alleviate, it alleviates the pressure of what you're doing when you're just in a room with people that are kind of like, shit, man, we're in this together. Like, you know, we're, we're going to figure this out, but like I can lean on Mitchell, you know, he's, he's, he's going to help, you know, my, my, my intern, he's going to help. Which I, <laughs> Which I, I hate saying that because as far as I'm concerned, anyone in a room, their title doesn't matter. We all have good ideas. You know, you were kind of the head of design. You were the head of design at SitePlan. And you had Joseph above you kind of kind of guiding the whole company. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of somebody who believes in design and how to know when somebody does or doesn't? Because it's probably not like, you know, you probably didn't work for a hundred Josephs before, but I'm sure you've learned from working under Joseph or with Joseph that, you know, someone in that position can, can actually make or break a team if they say they believe in design, but then they actually don't, or they, you know, say they believe in design, then they help elevate you. So 
I would say that that's one of the key. Yeah, it, it, it's funny when when you when you're on a roller coaster ride for eight years, which is it really was. I would have never trade anything. You don't think about these lessons and, you know, it, it's like hindsight, right? It mm-hmm. is 2020, you know, just, just in talking with my mentors and friends who have been around the block. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm acting as though I have a lot of authority to, to talk about startups, but I've only been in one site, site plan. And now I'm, I'm a year into smart rent. So that's my experience there. But based on my own experiences and, and just what I've looking back and, and then from, from what I've heard from others, and I, I said this before, which is leadership I'm not going to say design leadership because that's different. We company leadership that cares about design from, from what I can tell is rare. And I've already explained like, because I I love what I do so much that I don't want to work for a company that values design on a sheet of paper. Like we value, you know, like when I, when I see those, those statements, it means nothing because everyone says it, right. It's, it's that whole, like, you know, for 20 years, ever since Apple rightfully did it their way. And truthfully, every company says we love design. I don't think that's the case that every company really cares. But when you find a leader that absolutely cares about design, stick with that leader, whoever that man, woman is, because one, you will, you will get great feedback because they will be engaged. And there's a different, you guys know this, when you're in a room with leadership, and they don't care about not not what you're doing, because I think most leaders care about what they're looking at, but have the the, the sensibilities and thoughtfulness to dig in with you and and call out things that they don't like. And it's it's you know I always say this right, like designers need thick skins, right? Like you know we we can't be sensitive, you know, humans who just can't take feedback because literally our entire job is creating something from our minds. And it could be wrong. And if you have a leader above you that will look at it, tear it down with the, for the right reasons because they care about what, what we are building, it's a we, not you thing. That, to me, is my career definer for, for, for the rest of my career. Like that, That's my number one. And, and it, it's top and, and horizontal, meaning that if I'm if I'm working um, and I'm using examples, I like you know so far it's I've had an amazing I have had an amazing run of working with people that care, but leadership has to care. And if I'm working with a product manager and an engineer that cares, and I, I mean it, like they like you remember Chris, mm-hmm. the you know long beard Chris. Chris is that rare breed where he's a front end engineer that cares deeply about the experience, and he will give feedback. I want I want people attacking me with good reasons left right from mm-hmm. the top because it's not attacking it's we're breaking down what 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 you're presenting and making it better and if people don't care about that like I'm sure you guys have been in a room with a product manager or an engineer and they're like cool and I'm like what do you mean cool like no mm-hmm. let's let's have a conversation right I have questions that I need answered and if you guys don't care then it's all on me. And that just means that the design isn't going to be as good, right? Yeah. Like I can't mm-hmm. create the best experience. So that's my career trajectory is I got to find, it's my goal to find leadership leaders in companies who care about what we're doing. That to me is number one. Yeah. And it also, it, I think something that came out of the question is like leaders don't have to necessarily be above you. It can be people horizontally, people below you, people who are just helping to move the company in a direction that's positive. I think that, 
just looking back at Pascal's and my time at IBM, you know, there's mm-hmm. a guy named Dayon who he was a, a, a DP, basically. I forget what that kind of stands for. It's like a almost like a director, almost whatever the title role is. Mm-hmm. He was basically in charge of the development of the entire platform. And oh, wow. he and, and, you know, a lot of designers were afraid of him because he would shoot down their ideas. And it wasn't because he didn't think they were good ideas. He just thought that a lot of them weren't weren't or like they were half baked or they weren't fully fleshed out to the point where they can solve the full problem. And once you were able to get him on your side, then everything kind of moved forward because he had such a tight grip on, you know, what gets pushed out. But looking back, everyone who I know who used to work with him appreciates everything he did because he made sure things that shipped were not shit. He made sure that they were the highest level quality. And as a developer, that's what you really want. You want somebody who's really going to, you know, stick up for the users just as much as you're going to stick up for the users as to why this feature should exist. He's also on the other side saying, you know, I think the users don't want this feature. I think, you know, based on some of our research from the data, you know, this is actually not the direction we should go in just because he's user centric. And, you know, you need everyone from development to business to design to be user centric. Yeah. Yeah. So re- really quickly. Mm-hmm. Because that that that's something else looking back that I realized, which is at the time when you when you're in the pressure cooker, and somebody, it, it's all about managing personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Like as a designer, you have to, you 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 know, we we kind of giggle at this, but no, really, like we're we're presenting to different human beings with different backgrounds and different ways they they present things, and look, you know, at the time when you're the pressure cooker, and I had four hours to to design this, and then this motherfucker tore it apart and hurt my feelings, and it's like. He, he or she, they weren't, well, now, first of all, nobody wants to work for assholes, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if they're truly just doing that because they can, that's a different story. We don't want that. But if somebody is rough and their personality is direct and they cannot help, but I'm going to, I, I want to say this appropriately. They may come across as insensitive. That is when we have to, we have to put on our, our, our adult shoes and realize we're working in a company that will fail or thrive on the next feature. And if everyone cares, they're going to express it differently. Looking back half the meetings where I, I, dude, I'm a, I'm a sensitive individual. Like I, 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 I take things in and I hold on to them and I, I don't like that about myself. But looking back, it was like, that was dumb because it wasn't personal. There was one time where, Joseph literally said, he, he brought me into his office and he said, dude, you realize like, this isn't personal. Like, I'm going to give this one for you. It's not personal, dude. And then, but, but, but then he's like, well, but you got to go now because I got 50 more meetings to do. And that was a moment where I realized like, ah, I got it. Right. We're all adults here and we have to manage personalities well. And so you have to, I, I think a skill that I think I've developed in the later part of my career that has benefited me is I can, I can take the hits that may make others feel kind of like depressed or yeah, because, you know, I feel proud about my work and you just shit all over it, but they mm-hmm. weren't shitting all over it. They were taking your idea and internalizing it and, and try, and it's their version of making it better. You may not like the approach, right? But you, you have to have a thicker skin. But regardless of the personality, those are the people you want. Like, those are the people you... I, I don't mean, like, harsh individuals. I just mean people who care. Honest. And they, they just may express it differently. That's yeah, it. Really good. I, yeah. I, I, I love the 
put the adult shoes on theory because it's so true, right? I think we have to, and there are two things that I, like, I love that how you expressed. And I think we don't also don't know what they, like those people come to the table with. They may have had a bad day. They may have had anything. So putting the adult shoes on allows that understanding to happen. And secondly is, like one mentor told me at one point is never get attached to the pixels, but to the problem you're trying to solve. And that way, it kind of takes you away from like the execution of what you've just done. And let's concentrate on the problem, not like the blue button that because you may like blue, I may like red. And then that we piss match because we don't agree with that. Right. But is yeah. that is that solving the problem? And then when she, like awesome. that mindset shifts and all of a sudden you're kind of like, oh, OK, he's not attacking me. He's attacking the the solution we're trying to, to, to solve. So like that, that's what I, I kind of paraphrased what you did. And I just put that sentence. That's basically what you've, you've said in a, in a different way of saying it. Thank you. I'm very wordy and Pascal can now go do this. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I actually yeah. really like that statement way better than my million words, which is don't, don't put what you just did on a pedestal. Because nobody else does. You bring mm-hmm. your, you're bringing your, you're walking into the room like this and they're walking the room like, okay, you know, but it's all about solving the problem. That's awesome. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It, it's funny because, you know, at the end of the day, an idea is 1%, 99% of it is execution and pressure makes diamonds, right? And you need to spend the 99% of the time working with others to kind of create that thing that gets pushed out. Because your idea rarely ever is as is before it gets pushed out. It's oh, like never. It, it, you get you start with this one thing, a seed, and then it grows into something else a little bit later, and then it gets shown to everyone else. Right. Yeah. And then and then becomes better because now mm-hmm. other eyes are on it. Like the, a, a PM should have the business perspective to say no, or an engineer will come in and say this is amazing. It'll take three months to build. No. Right. So mm-hmm. so any any time a designer says I don't need any help, I can do it myself. I'm like really. I've been doing this shit for 20 years and I need as much help as I can get. Like I cannot, I cannot, I don't, this is not good for a job interview. I don't feel as though I can execute the the most amazing design on my own. I, I, I can't. It's like, I, I think that's rare. The thing is though, that comes with maturity. Mm-hmm. Young designers are not, don't have mature or not mature enough to admit they need help for a lot of things because they come at it and it's normal in my opinion but I feel the more experience you get, the more humble you are and the more you're able to say, you know what? I need help here. I'm not going to be able to solve this by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'm the most humble guy in the ring. Guys, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but, but that's also confidence, right? Like if, if you become confident as a designer, you become confident to say, I am not going to, I'm going to get 80% of the way there. And then my amazing team, this may hurt my feelings, but you know what? Who cares? Because then it'll be better, right? That's 100%. So we're coming up on time and we actually got no, a little bit over. This but, is great, guys. Come on. Let's I, keep going. Play, do round two. Uh, we'll have to do round two. I want to I want right. ask at least two questions before we let you go. Sure. Like, sure. And one of them is, I have a list of the questions over here. So what, we actually talked a lot about lessons that, you think others should should learn. So I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to say one more lesson. What, what's a lesson that you've learned over the years that you want somebody else to know 
from from your time at SitePlan, from your time all, all the way up until now in design? Don't fear deadlines. Put them on yourself. Make sure that there's a deadline to get things done because I used to say it's just me, but bullshit, it's everyone. If I have three months to, to design a button, you're going to get a button in three months. If I have two hours to make that same button, you're going to get it in two hours, right? The, the, the thing I, I, I learned at SitePlan because we were very... We, we were driven hard, which is why we created so much high quality in a short amount of time is we, I'm looking at all of you guys, right? We under, we, we assume that something is going to take X amount of time. And if, if there is an external force that pushes you and says it has to get done in, in half the time, you might bicker and you might say, this is bullshit. He's saying half the time, and I know it's not. And guess what? God damn it. I got it done in half the time. Designers, I, I don't think, myself included, it took me a long time to realize this. And th this is why, like, they, they kind of joke at SmartRent that I'm, I'm more of the hard ass. I, I'm more of the, like, I know you can do better, and I know you can do it faster. Not because I'm trying to push you, because I've been there, right? Like, no, it, like, it won't take you two weeks. Do me a favor. Carve out three hours of your time. Shut down Slack because that shit is a distractor. Shut down email. Shut down all this junk. Sit down with a sheet of paper and spend three hours. And I guarantee you, you will knock out about four of those days of the two weeks. Designers, I think, are, are not all, but a lot of designers are coddled. And, and, and I don't think that's fair because they're, you know, I, I think to a degree, I, I think there's a little bit of a stigma that like, don't, hey, listen, just don't, don't, don't talk so harshly to them. They're, you know, they're, they're designers. And it's like, no, no, we're busting our asses as much as engineering, as much as, as, as anyone else. We have to put deadlines on ourselves and we have to come to, a, to the realization that if you want a startup to be profitable, you have to stop saying it'll take two weeks and you have to push yourself and start making bets on yourself. Which, by the way, it also develops your skill set, right? Because in the years that I went from saying it'll take two weeks and then Joseph saying, nope, it'll take you a week. And he was always right. He was always <laughs> right. It was so maddening. I am now on the other side of it, knowing for a fact that I can do whatever this thing is in half the time that somebody is saying it. Not because I'm an amazing designer in any way. It's because I've been through the gauntlet where some higher force is pushing me because the business, you know, it will falter if you, again, startup-like guys, like they're, they're not pushing you because they're assholes. At least I hope not. They're pushing you because they're the ones looking at the customer that if we don't get in two weeks with this feature, will not sign on and we won't get the next year of revenue, right? Like that's where that external force is coming from. Designers don't see that at all. We don't see it. We, we, just, we just think it's totally unfair that they're doing this, right? But if you start putting those deadlines on yourself, like, I, I, you know what I started doing? Like four or five years ago, I started saying, like during our sprint planning, which like nobody can estimate, please. But mm -hmm. you write down like, I'm going to get this done in two weeks. That, that's my first gut reaction, which my gut reactions have never changed. But what I started doing is I then crossed that out, asked it, and say, I'll get it done in a week. And then nine times out of 10, I was right. And which is so infuriating, but it's because we are so much better than we think. 
at doing those things. We just need somebody to like, or, or we have to do it ourselves. Like, dude, you can work a little harder. You, you can work a little faster. It doesn't mean the quality will, will, will go down. It's be a little uncomfortable with yourself, right? Like, I don't like being comfortable when I'm designing something. But if I feel a little bit of heat, that will, that will force me to produce the same quality in a shorter amount of time. And it took me a really, really long time to learn that. I don't know why. So put deadlines on yourself. Force, force yourself to work a little faster, a little harder because you can, because you can, and, and, and you should try it. You, you, you should really try it because I think we, we, we don't estimate our own worth enough. Like you can do a, a lot more because you're skilled. That's and it. I think one, one of the best things is, well, not the only one, but the best, best place to grow is through uncomfortable situation. That like, yeah. it's the hundred percent best way to grow. I Literally, I mean, I mean, yes, growth and then also just career pivoting. Had I not quit my job, started a business, and it failed, I would not be here talking with you guys about all the things I learned. I, I'm, I'm actually surprised, like how much I've learned at SitePlan, I, for no other reason because it's like I was in, in all those moments of lessons that I'm sharing. I, I, I was uncomfortable in all of those. I don't recall learning anything when I was super comfortable. I just, I was just comfortable. Uh, Rarely know? do we ever learn anything when we're comfortable because we're not yeah. really eager to learn. You know, when you're, when you're hungry, when you're, when you're kind of in the desert, you're trying to find water. I think that that kind of journey is what leads us to realizations. And then that spontaneity actually helps us become more creative and then more successful later on. The, 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 the very best ideas I came, well, at least I thought were really yeah. good, came from the, you need something in two hours. It's mm. like, oh my God. And something, something sparks, man. I don't know how the brain works, but you get that. So yeah, it's been this, great. I, guys, I've really enjoyed this a lot. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming out. This is, yeah, thanks this for is everything. I think this is our best episode. <laughs> Definitely our best episode. Amazing. I hope thank so, you so much. but I'm humble. So if, if I, I don't mind feeling <laughs> uncomfortable if you say it was a worse one. It's fine. Well, it's you okay. know, that just means that you have to come on again to top this one. So. Part two. All right. I think we should Ready. do part two. There's so many things to unpack here. Oh, yeah. Fun, guys. And I, I have questions for you guys. So maybe part two could be me interviewing oh, you. Absolutely. Like, like, my, my thumbnail on YouTube where I'm like, like the, 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 the mental reaction. <laughs> like that. There you go. absolutely love it love it love it thanks man really appreciate it appreciate you guys all right cheers